The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today with Jim Lickie, been at the Associated Press since 1978, sports columnist since 1989. Jim, what's the story, the standout story from your career that, given the journalism environment these days, just wouldn't have been possible? Well, I, I think looking back, that uh, you know, the, uh, one of the, arguably the biggest stories of my career was uh, was getting to <laughs> the privilege of chasing Bodie down, Bodie Miller down twice in the snow. He came to the 2006 Olympics as probably one of the most hyped athletes in Olympic history. He was a candidate for all five gold medals. And after the first race, uh, he basically crashed off the course. And the good news was at the time in 2006, we had uh, five people at that race covering just basically, uh, obviously we're covering this, the result of that skiing competition that day for the entire world. But, you know, the, the focus was Bodie Miller. So we had our uh, skiing writer there. We had one for the breaking cycle, which at that in Europe actually turned out to be the morning papers and then one for the afternoon papers. And then we had uh, basically a. Uh, another staffer there covering the Europeans uh, in case there was a reason to break out separate stories. And then we had basically a, a fourth reporter there who was, again, one of our European reporters and fluent in three different languages. At the Olympics, we're always all the reporters are basically caged into what's called a mixed zone. And it's basically a snaking line that the competitors go through after they finish the race. And they talk to different TV and uh, print outlets and they talk to them in several different languages. And so uh, at the time of Miller's first race, he basically crashed off the course and uh, was out of that particular race. And rather than go through the mix zone, he just at the bottom of the course decided to turn left instead of right and started taking off for what I would later find out was, you know, where he was living in a trailer in a small park uh, just about a mile away. But at the time, the, the thing that was great about it for me was I didn't really have a specific assignment. I was there to decide what was the best story of the day and how to go about mining it. So when he took off left, uh, look, you know, figuring that we had at least four or five people there who would be able to cover pretty much every other aspect of the race, I just started walking through the snow along the path where he was uh, headed for and decided I was, you know, after about a quarter mile, I was basically up alongside of him and he was still kind of ignoring me. And we just kept walking. And after about maybe another two or three minutes, I finally you know, got him to answer a question and then to stop or at least go a little slower and, because I couldn't track him too well in the skis. <laughs> and we spent basically 20 minutes talking when I finally convinced him to stop. Um, you know, nowadays, if somebody's, for, for somebody to have the, the, the chance to, A, ditch whatever other assignment they might have had at the moment and decide that this is the more important one, is a luxury that you're not going to get. We're going to send two and three people to an event like that, even though it's an Olympics and even though we're the news agency that basically covers the record for the entire world. But because of budget constraints, it's going to be hard to send more than two people. And then it's going to be hard to send that third or fourth person, uh, in my case, mm -hmm. a columnist, somebody who can decide at the moment what's most important. The great thing about it was not only did I talk to him that afternoon, but then I ran into him two nights later at one in the morning in a disco in a <laughs> completely social setting. And I just, you know, said, hey, thanks. And he said, did it work out for you? And I said, like, you can't believe. 
And then again, three days later, the same thing happened when he skied off the course again and basically ditched the mixed zone and all the other reporters. And I chased him down a second time. How did you get him to stop that first time? Um, I probably tried about 10 different questions. I think the one that finally got him stopped uh, was something uh, it had something to do with Phil Mickelson, the golfer who was famous for, you know, making those just crazy attempting crazy hero shots all the time. And I just said to him, you know, that's is that who you want to be? And then he stopped and thought about it for a second. And, and his answer was pretty much, yes, he'd rather be the guy that tried the, you know, the craziest, uh, uh, toughest long shot way to win because that was more interesting to him than it would be just to win in a real methodical way. And, and to his everlasting credit, Bodie Miller never changed. You know, a lot of guys will, will complain about being misquoted or the context was wrong or whatever. He stood by everything he said through all three, and including the last one when he said, uh, told me, <laughs> you know, that uh, he uh, partied uh, like a rock star, basically, is what he said. And, and I ran into him about two months later at the Derby, and he told me he'd gotten – just volumes and volumes of hate mail, but he said what he said and he didn't try to back away from it. I, I think, you know, the other thing that's kind of implicit in this is you lose a chance to build relationships with people if you're not there all the time. I mean, that's how you really get stories that don't show up that day and maybe not don't show up that week and may not show up for months sometimes. I've talked to Tony LaRussa when he was managing about a number of different things. And, you know, they'd be the sort of things where I'd see him a year later sitting in his office in St. Louis. And something I talked to him about when he was the White Sox manager in the mm -hmm. mid 80s would be relevant that moment. And it would take it take us down a, a course where you'd find another story, a more interesting mm -hmm. story, maybe a, something that he wouldn't have you know, thought about. But because that relationship went on long enough, he knew to trust me with what kind of information, you know, how he wanted it out, uh, why that story was important at that moment. And those things are going to be harder and harder to do because you're just not sending A, as many reporters, and B, the luxury of time, the idea that you could sit down with a guy, develop that relationship, and get him to trust you and, and have him educate you in ways that would help you understand what he was doing, why he was doing it. Those things are missing. We're, we're now so breathlessly chasing one development after another that we're losing the ability to, to see into these things. What do they mm -hmm. really mean? We just want to move to the next dance. All right, one more follow-up. What was the scene like in that disco? It was phenomenal. I mean, uh, I, you know, Miller had a reputation as being uh, just a, an insane party animal. And just the opposite turned out to be true that evening. He basically, you know, I got there about 1030 and he was with a crowd of uh, friends. And, and basically all of them were drinking except for him. He had one beer. I watched him nurse one beer through, <laughs> about, th through about three hours of this. And he would go and get people as they came into the club and then you know steer them in the right direction so that they didn't get hassled too much and then at the end of the evening after i talked to him a couple of times he came over to me and he said it's and this was probably about 1 30 in the morning and he goes it's getting really crazy in here maybe you old guys should think about me <laughs> so i took his advice and bailed out because i had a story to cover the next day and then again two days later when i tried to stop him this time he immediately knew who i was and he knew what i was after and and he could not have been uh, more amenable to all that stuff. Jim Lickie, the Associated Press. Thanks, Jim. My pleasure. Thank you. Jim's an all-time storyteller and one of the most thoughtful people I've met during my career. He also cooks really good lamb chops. He's someone I had read for a long time. I knew who he was, and I had worked with his son. And then when we met for the first time a few years ago, he extended such genuine courtesy 
that he turned out to be an even more impressive person than I had built up in my mind. It's nice how things work out like that sometimes. No matter what subject you get Jim talking about, you'll learn something. Just listen. Then, follow up. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.